Well, good morning, church. Man, so glad you guys are here this morning to celebrate our risen Savior together, right here, the family of God, singing praises to His name. We'll dig into His Word this morning as well, but what a joy it is to be with you this Sunday morning uh, with Jesus Christ here in our midst. Uh, I know that we got some new faces in our audience this morning as well. Thank you for joining us, being a part of our time together. We are truly honored that you are here, and our hope would be, of course, if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love to have you as part of our family right here at Cross Point, helping us tell the story of hope that is Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to start out in Genesis chapter 2 this morning. I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me. Uh, we'll be there in just a few moments. Uh, and then eventually we'll get to Ephesians chapter 5. So you want, might want to find that, kind of put your finger there. We'll be there in just a few moments. All of our text will be on the screen as well. This morning we're going to talk about uh, the, the marriage covenant. What does it mean to be married? How are we called to live in that moment in the relationship, uh, giving God the glory? What does that look like? And all throughout this morning, it's been alluded to. It's, it's this idea of having a servant heart, this idea that someone else is more important than me. And so we're going to unpack scripture a little bit this morning as we talk about marriage. This series over the next four weeks is about relationships. And so we're going to take a look at different types of relationships over the next few weeks. And I hope you'll join us uh, as we do that and, and unpack that. But today we're going to talk about marriage. Now, I do know that there are some of us here in our audience who are, who are at different levels of this relationship Things. Some of us uh, are married and have been married for quite a long time. Some of us are married and, and maybe hope that we, we hadn't made that decision. I don't know where you're at in that, but that might be where you find yourself. Some of you might be single looking for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Uh, some of you may be, uh, have experienced a divorce along the way. Uh, some of you may have uh, had to let go of your partner because of death. And so I don't know where we're at and where you're at in your particular story. Wherever you might find yourself, I want you to understand, even though we're focusing on marriage today, the principles within marriage apply to all relationships. And so every single one of us can take something out of this biblical text that we're going to take a look at and realize how we're called to live in Jesus Christ, how we're called to treat one another, how we're called to serve one another out of love. If we say that we're disciples of Christ, then it means we're different than the world around us. And it's a true calling to live life very differently uh, than maybe the world takes a look at relationships and specifically marriage as we take a look at it this morning. Now, as we take a look at Genesis chapter 2, understand we're going to take a look at God's template for marriage. It's not my template. It's not your template. It's, it's the way Scripture calls us to live in that marriage relationship. And the idea is one man, one woman for life. It's a lifetime commitment. It's a commitment to one another, understanding that Jesus Christ is in the middle of that covenant relationship and that the three of us have a successful marriage. Without Jesus Christ in the mix, it's just a couple of human beings making lots of mistakes. But with Christ in the mix, we have those mistakes along the way. But Jesus Christ is the one who reminds both of us in the moment that we're called to elevate each other. We're called to, to work through those together. We're called to look more and more like Jesus Christ as a servant in those moments. And so as we get started this morning, let's jump right into Genesis chapter 2, beginning verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. 
You know, all through creation, God created uh, everything through the course of six days. And every time he created something, he stepped back and he said, that is good. And when he created uh, Adam, he stepped back and he said, that is very good. And this is the first time where God says, it is not good for man to be alone. We need to find a suitable helper, a mate, a companion for life. And so our text picks up in verse 20 when God brings all the animals uh, for Adam to name. It says, Adam gave names to all of the livestock, all of the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. Thank God that verse is in there, right guys? We'd, We'd be stuck with who knows what, but God decided to do something different, and we are grateful for that moment in our history. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. It's a great reminder of how God works in our lives each and every day. How God is concerned about our well-being and our welfare. How his desire is to have a deep abiding relationship with you and me. And I don't think it's an accident that God takes a rib from Adam, from his side, not from his foot, not from his head, but it's this idea, this premise that we're called to walk side by side in life together. We complement one another, man and woman, that no one is, is in the marriage to, to dominate, no one is in the marriage to, to be walked on, but that we're called to walk side by side. It's a a created compliment that God has given to each and every one of us. That that Hebrew word for helper in our text translated might be better as as a match. A match is what God's created. Someone who pairs up with us well, if you will. And it's God's design for us to be together and unified in spirit, as we're going to see what Paul talks about in a little bit in Ephesians. And if you're truly in tune with God's design, then you understand that in marriage, it is not about getting your needs met, but it's about serving the other one in marriage. It's about elevating their needs above your own needs. It's about serving one another. And a few weeks ago, we talked about that nature and character of Jesus Christ, who was a servant here on earth. And we're called to imitate him in every possible way. And so we too are called to serve those around us, and especially those that we are married to. Now, Paul talks about what a man and a woman are called to in marriage in the context of being disciples of Jesus Christ. And I know that you and I desire to look like Jesus in every possible way and understand that we're called to live differently than the world around us because we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And that calls us to a different level of living. And Paul calls us to that in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. Paul says, for wives, this means submit, your, uh, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. 
For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, guys, let me give you a heads up. We might read that text and we might stop right there and say, see, it's in the Bible. You're supposed to do what I say. Now, if we're honest, we know that is not the way it works in hope. (laughs) But we take a look at that and understand that wives are called to really serve and respect, to love and respect their husbands in the context of marriage. It's not an image of inferiority. I don't want you to hear that in Paul's words, but it's really, he's trying to create this picture of a servant heart. And that's what we're called to live out as we look at the life of Christ. And then we see how we're to live out in the context of marriage. But the good thing is Paul doesn't stop there. He goes right into talking to the husbands in the very next verse, verse 25. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Verse 33 wraps it up nicely. So Paul says again, Each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so husbands, we, we're called to love our wives with every ounce of our being. And how far should that go? He likens it to how Jesus Christ loves the church. And what did Jesus Christ do for the church? He laid his life down for the church. He loved the church that much. He loved you and me that much. And so we have to have that kind of love for the one that we've decided to be in partnership with for the rest of our life. Love and respect go hand in hand. What we learn is uh, sociology has expanded, as psychology has expanded, they've discovered some things that we learned first in biblical context. And these are the two ideas that you and I can kind of bring into our marriage and better understand. One is this, that a man's greatest need is respect and admiration. Men want their wives to respect them and admire them. And a woman's greatest need is to be loved and cherished. The wife desperately wants that love and affection from her husband. And there are lots of ways to show that each and every day. And when both of those ideas are in sync biblically, when we we realize how we've been called to live in the context of marriage, how Christ has called us to live, we realize there's love and respect on both sides in the context of marriage. And when we live that way, make a decision that someone else's needs are more important than my own, we get off the crazy cycle and onto the energizing cycle. And that crazy cycle might look like harsh words or arguing all the time or differences of opinion that are never reconciled. When we make a decision that Jesus Christ is going to live in the middle of our marriage, it's not that the, the tough times don't happen. It's not that the hill is never there to climb. It's not that the waters are never rough. But in the context of all of that, we realize we're called to live life like Christ. We're called to love and respect one another in the process. 
And so if a husband loves and cherishes his wife like Christ loved the church, and respect and admiration will come from the wife. And as you read that context, I've had the, the question before from couples, well, which one goes first? Because if my wife would simply respect me, I'd love her a whole lot more. And she says, well, if he would simply love and cherish me and show that, I would respect him a whole lot more. Let me just throw a moment out here to the men in the audience. The biblical context for family is that the man is the spiritual leader in the home. And so I want to call and challenge us men here in the room that we would be the ones to take the first step. That we would, in love and respect, lift our wives high. That we would honor them and cherish them and let them know how much we feel about them. We are called to be spiritually united as we live life together. But the second idea is that we we should be called also to be emotionally available to one another in the context of marriage as well. You look back at the text we read in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 25, that they stood together and there, were, there was no shame. So the idea is there prior to the sin that they were totally vulnerable. They were totally available to one another. There was absolute trust in one another, absolute openness with one another. And so if you are married or about to enter into marriage, understand it carries the idea of totally surrendering yourself in the moment and the secrets that you have kind of tucked back in your own life. It's the idea that you would be willing to to reveal things about who you are to this person when maybe no one else in the world knows those things. And and I know that women have a great uh, opportunity and camaraderie to, to do that very thing. You, you ladies have that kind of thing down pat, revealing who you are, being emotionally available. You, you go into any coffee shop and you can see two women at a table and they're leaning into each other talking about their fears and their aspirations and what's going on at home. I have yet to walk into a coffee shop and see a couple of guys leaning in and thinking, oh, my fears and aspirations. We just don't do that. So it's got to be a learned thing for us as guys. And I want to challenge us to be emotionally available for our wives, for our better half, that we would be willing to sit down and open ourselves up. Besides Jesus Christ in our life, communication is the key to improving your marriage. And so having the opportunities and making them available where you would sit and talk with your wife, you would sit and talk with your husband, about your dreams and your hopes. Where are we going to be in a year, in five years, in 10 years? Well, what's the thing that scares you the most right now? How do you feel about our kids and how we're raising them? All of those questions out on the table, just talking about direction and where you're going. Guys, let me encourage you as far as being available to to reveal to your wife that you are ready and available, so to speak. There are lots of things you can do, but just a few. Random midday, send her a text that says, I love you. You're special to me. Just just a few small words to let her know that you are thinking about her. Or, Or even better, send her some flowers to work. Just in a random moment, so that she feels acknowledged and special in the moment. Maybe she's going on that, that business trip or, or hanging out with girlfriends uh, in, in, a, in a night moment. Uh, tuck that card away in her pillowcase or in her luggage so that when she opens it, she realizes you took the time to think about me 
took the time to realize how important our relationship is. Maybe you go to bed after she does. And so uh, as you head to bed, you're in the bathroom, write on a post-it note, love you, babe. Put it on the mirror so when she gets up in the morning, she sees that right in front of her and knows you took the time to let her know how much you care about her. Josh McDowell said the chief dysfunction in failing marriages is verbal. Fulfilled marriages are enjoyed by those who share their feelings and have a great amount of openness with their spouse. And I find that when I am open with with Robin, my wife, it it just brightens the day and, and the moment. But when I allow her to give me input into my life and maybe some difficulties that I'm having uh, in, in my own life and let her in on that, when I ask her about the issues that she's having and at work, when we ask about one another, I find things go so well in our own marriage. And it's a great opportunity and reminder for us to share our victories and our strengths and struggles with, uh, with each other. Because I do believe that most of us We truly want to bless our spouse, don't we? I mean, we want to lift them up. We want them to know that they are loved beyond measure. And so it takes some intentionality in our very hectic and busy pace that we keep these days to take time out for that. Part of it is just knowing what is my spouse's love language? What is it that makes her or him tick? What is the one thing that I could do that would let them know, hey, I'm listening, I'm available, I'm part of your world? And many of you have read uh, Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. And none of us have just one of those. We might have one that kind of rises to the surface, but there's typically a mixture in every one of us of two or three, at least, of these love languages. And I just wanted to briefly remind us of those five. One would be words of affirmation. Uh, that's one of my love languages. And when, when Robin kind of pours it on me, when she lets me know that uh, kind of I'm her Superman, whatever, man, I can rope the moon and get it down. Hey, I do whatever, whatever it takes. I mean, you will conquer anything if that is your love language and, and someone does that often to you. It's that spoken praise or appreciation. A uh, second idea are, are the acts of service. When you uh, like things to be done for you because it shows that that person loves you and is thinking about you, caring for you, so important. Uh, a lot of us like receiving gifts as well, and it kind of falls in that, that idea of receiving gifts. You realize that that person is thinking about you, and they went to some extent to, to get something for you, maybe something that you've been hoping for or wanting. The fourth idea is quality time. Rob and I love quality time together, taking that long walk around the city block because we don't look at the phone. We don't answer phone calls. We just talk to one another. And it's a great opportunity to be there, to dig into her day and my day and where we're going, where we've come from, how the boys are doing, all of those kind of things. Uh, really come up. And so let me encourage you, even if, if you're just at home and you have some quality time together, turn those fo- phones over, turn the TV off, move it away, and just look at each other and talk about life and what's going on. So important. And of course, the fifth one is physical touch. We all like to be hugged and affirmed in lots of different ways. So marriage is much more, though, than sharing an address and sharing bills and duties. It's about being truly connected to one another, whether on a spiritual level or on an emotional level. There are sometimes things happen in the natural course of life that kind of pull us apart, that we've got to be truly intentional about reconnecting along the way. And although we love them to death, 
Sometimes kids do that to us just in the course of raising children. I mean, you're carpooling, you're getting them to soccer practice and band, to scouts, uh, any number of things on the weekend, getting homework done at night. Sometimes you're too exhausted uh, to, to have that quality time together. But being intentional about that is so incredibly important. And so I want to challenge you that every couple of weeks that you would make an effort to have that date night. And it doesn't need to be expensive. Just quality time together is so incredibly important. I remember when Tanner and Garrett were very young. Uh, we lived in Ponca City. We had another family at church that had young kids like that too. And uh, one weekend we would keep their kids so they could go out. And the next weekend they would keep our kids so we could go out. So there are ways to work around the money issues that sometimes come with trying to have a date night as well. But I want to challenge you on these three areas as well. To reconnect. I want to ask a question. Are you praying together. You know, praying with your spouse can reveal some powerful things in their life, things that they want to happen, things that they're struggling with. Not only are they talking to God, but you get to hear that as well. And then you can begin to talk about that prayer and what's going on in their life. Getting into the word of God together, so incredibly important. Reading God's word together and then talking about what does this mean for us? How practically does this play out in our own life? And the third thing is doing ministry together. Find a way for the two of you to do ministry together. Uh, Cale mentioned our Say Yes campaign that's going out here for our kids' ministry. And so maybe this, uh, this day, this week, you'll think about, hey, maybe we should jump in and help in our kids' ministry together. Let's just sign up for a quarter, and let's find something to do together uh, at the 9 o'clock service, and we'll be at the 1045 service or, or inverse that. There's great ways to get connected, spiritually speaking. I mean, nothing has made me more proud as a husband on mission trips to look across that room and see Robin interacting with a, a young local kid or an adult and to see her loving on them and pouring out Jesus to them, man, it just makes me so uh, pumped and excited about having a wife who is so in love with Jesus Christ that way. And we're called to be spiritually connected. We're called to be emotionally available, but we're also called to be physically connected as well, to live life together. I mean, a strong marriage has that physical aspect to it. I mean, it's, why did God make Eve? He said, because it was not good for Adam to be alone. We're called to complement one another, to journey together, to be uh, in life connected together. Only God can complete us. But he did make us uh, in such a way to complement one another on the journey. And guys, I want to remind us that we are called to be the leader in our family. And so I want you to think about that in your own life. How am I leading my family? How am I leading them spiritually? How am I being, setting the example to be that, that person who's available for conversation, for deep discussion, for interaction and talk? How am I hanging out with my kids and my wife? What is it that I'm doing that really gives attention to them along the way? I mean, the Genesis account, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 reminds us that the two had become one. You're not your own anymore. We belong to Jesus Christ first, but for our partner, we lift them up. We want to serve them. We want to make them more important than we are. And understand it's a process, this marriage thing. You don't get it right the first time. You can just ask Robin. <laughs> we've, we've been married 28 years, hard to believe. But in that moment, I'm, I'm growing. She's growing. And we'll continue to do that together. Been such a blessing, though, to live life with her. 
God calls us in marriage to be cemented together spiritually, emotionally, and physically. It's a covenant, not only with each other, but with God. To say, God, I have committed not only to this person, but to you to treat that person like you've called us to live. One with love and respect in the process. And it's the idea, no matter what, that I'm yours. I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed to you and this relationship. I'm committed to God being a part of this relationship. It's a call to this marriage that lets the world know that our light is shining and we truly want to look like Jesus Christ in every possible way. You see, marriage is more than just a piece of paper. It's living it out in action every single day. It's saying that even if we're in the valley or on the mountaintop, no matter where we find ourselves in between, I'm not going anywhere and I'm committed to you 100% in every action and every thought and every word. I want to be the person God's called me to be in this marriage. And it calls me to look a lot like Jesus in love and respect and elevating those who I'm journeying with as more important than me. As we sing this next song, our shepherds are going to be gathered around the wall of this room with their wives. And and I know that we've got a lot of families here today, a lot of marriages represented here today. And there may be something going on in your marriage that you need wisdom for, that you want some discernment in. And as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to go find one of those shepherd couples and let them pray for you and over you. Uh, Let them uh, ask the Holy Spirit to come into your marriage, into your own self, so that you would be wise as you interact in something so precious that God's called us to live out in this thing called marriage. Thank you for being here today and representing him so well. Let's give him praise as we stand together and sing.